1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean.
0: And I'm the very titular Carrie.
1: And this show takes you inside the ooky, the spooky, the unbelievable, the unimaginable, the macabre and the bizarre, and tries to find some answers and a few (laughs) more adjectives. Yeah. Carrie, what do we got this week? What are we talking about? Uh, And why do you have that mischievous little smile on your face?
0: (laughs) Well, Sean, I'm going to start with a question, as I am wont to do.
1: You are wont to do that.
0: (laughs) I am so wont to do that. Remember being little and finding comfort in a toy? Specifically, comfort.
1: No, and you have in no way seen my childhood teddy bear.
0: (laughs) Many people, certainly not you. (laughs) uh, Or
1: or my figment uh, dragon. (laughs)
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Many people had dolls or stuffed animals that they were particularly attached to when they were children, and they would sleep with them at night and carry them around during the day. Mine, I called very originally Dolly. She was a doll. And after getting her as a gift when I was about two years old, she came with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. There was even a time or two that a hotel had to mail her back to my parents because I'd forgotten her while on vacation she would have been twisted up in the sheets and then my parents were always in a rush to like check out of a hotel so um, but she always found her way back to me um, and I would have been heartbroken if I'd ever lost her for good but somehow I just never did so Sean she's looking
1: a little threadbare but... well
0: still Um, what was your comfort toy as a kid like if you had one
1: well there was figment Mm-hmm. uh figment i believe only I, I believe figment originates in epcot center in disney
0: world i believe so
1: figment is from a ride um about imagination that has uh, <laughs> now eric idol in it uh he didn't used to be in it
0: now i mean he did it
1: oh like sorry a while ago though. Oh, now it, this ride doesn't exist anymore uh oh. when it was redone When I went back to Disney World and I was older, Eric Idle was somehow in it, and they had uh, uh, new animatronics that were still pretty old Mm -hmm. and stuff. But when I was a little child, uh, the figment ride enchanted me. He was a dragon who represented the power of imagination. And I had a little uh, uh, figment that I dragged around everywhere that I went.
0: That was your favorite?
1: That was my favorite. I had a teddy bear named uh, creatively Tad E. Bear. Um, that I built at a basic brown bear factory in in uh, San Diego. It was like a... Um,
0: oh, she's a basic brown bear. It was
1: a proto... Yeah, really judgy on the bears. <laughs> super. It was a proto uh, Build-A-Bear.
0: Mm-hmm. You no know, frills, just fucking bears. It was a
1: slightly less shopping Molly y build Build-A-Bear <laughs> um, that existed back then when I was eight years old. So I made myself a little teddy bear then. Uh, but, but Figment was really the reigning champ.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the concept of the comfort toy, like you had with Figment and I had with Dolly, and going back to that especially, the concept of a doll has been around for basically as long as we have historical evidence for people existing. The earliest dolls were made from whatever was available to our ancient ancestors, and this would be like clay, stone, wood, bone, wax, all different kinds of Easy to gather materials.
1: Sure, you'd make a little puppet. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Archaeological evidence places dolls as the foremost candidate for the world's oldest known toy, with wooden paddle dolls being found in Egyptian tombs dating to as early as the 21st century BC.
1: Well, that is, um, that's a pretty old doll. What do you mean a paddle doll? Like they just put a couple eyes on a paddle? Is it also the <laughs> I think oldest? It was
0: probably like a thin kind of.
1: That has to rank pretty high among
0: oldest paddles as well. Sure. Technically. You would think. Dolls with movable limbs and removable clothing that you could swap in and out date back to at least the year 200 BC. Greek dolls have been discovered that were made of clay and articulated at the hips and shoulders. And rag dolls have even existed since early Roman times, with examples of these being discovered dating back to 300 BC.
1: What about real dolls?
0: Oof. Wow, that really you want now? Why? Why is the idea of dolls so um, creepy? Yes, but also <laughs> historic, Sean. <laughs> why is it a seemingly instinctual thing for us humans to play with little versions of ourselves?
1: I think for little children, and especially little girls, I don't know if that's a cultural, social thing, or or just a, a natural, biological, social. You know what I mean? But Kids, and especially little girls, emulate what what they see their parents doing and what they see their mom doing might be uh, taking care of of babies, other babies. And uh, so they, it seems like the, you know, the adult thing to do would be having a little person of your own that you take care of. And so I think all kids want that immediately. Kids also love playing house. Um, They love doing things that they don't realize yet aren't actually fun all the time.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you pretty you nailed it pretty close. Um, Derek Price, PhD, the associate professor of psychology at Wheaton College and also child development expert, uh, has said that the probable reasons behind this cultural obsession with dolls is as lofty as the survival of the species and as immediate as brain cell growth. Basically, as you mentioned, um, children love the way their parents relate to them, cuddling and feeding and taking care of them so they do the same with dolls in the parent role they feel comforted by being held by their parents and so they hold their dolls in the same way to replicate this secure feeling and they end up feeling secure from it Mm -hmm. babies begin to recognize themselves in mirrors and photographs sometime around or after age two and then will eventually begin to recognize aspects of themselves in dolls and relate to them in an empathetic way.
1: Yeah, and I, this is just anecdotal, but I notice very small children, very small girls, will call dolls baby. They don't call them mm-hmm. call it doll. They go baby.
0: Mm-hmm. Unlike stuffed animals, which provide comfort and are recognized as not human because these are animals or fantastical creatures, dolls generate a specific empathy in us because they're made in our image, like Adam from God
1: <laughs> or Eve from Adam.
0: Ooh. Taking care of dolls strengthens nurturing skills in children and helps them work through strong emotions, giving children a crucial but subconscious measure of control over their lives, uh, which is something they don't even realize they need or want.
1: Yeah. And then in high school, they give girls the, uh, the ones that can die so they won't get pregnant. Yeah. So that's another way dolls are- dolls Teaching us in, things. Come and... into
0: play. Uh-huh. As children get older, doll play continues to encourage the development of social skills and even the imagination, giving children a simple creative outlet for imagined scenarios and stories. They can act them out through these dolls. Through all these things, children, in a way, begin to understand how to care for others and then basically understand how to keep humanity going. So dolls. Great. Who cares? (laughs) Right? Dolls weren't and aren't always just playthings, sean are we going to talk v- v-
1: voodoo dolls
0: well for basically as long as these items have existed as toys they've also existed as items with spiritual and ritual values to a variety of different cultures basically for the same reason that children love dolls because they are in the image of people the use of an effigy to perform a spell on someone is documented in African, Native American, and European cultures. And like you mentioned, we all know the practice of sticking pins in voodoo dolls, which is popularly associated with African American hoodoo folk culture.
1: Right, but that's also kind of exaggerated and, and um, you know, dismorphed by the time it gets to that idea of stab, uh, stabbing sure. a, a doll with a needle.
0: Mm-hmm. Now we get to our real topic today, because here, with these haunting dolls, so where the stories of haunted dolls begins, curses placed on others. So along with being part of our instinctual growth as humans, we might also have an instinctual fear towards these objects, because even our ancestors have seen them used for ill.
1: We may have an instinctual fear of them because... I don't know. Don't you think there's just a natural uncanny valley thing with dolls?
0: Well, I think us humans are conditioned to be unsettled by things close to human, but not quite there. Yeah. And as you mentioned, we know that as the uncanny valley. Close to human, but not quite there. That's why a lot of people are creeped out by CGI characters in film, like Tom Hanks in The Polar Express. Uh Uh-huh. All
1: all six characters he plays (laughs) or whatever
0: horrible thing? Well, there's a deadness behind the eyes that signals to us that this thing is not human or alive, but it's the fact that it's so close that really unsettles us. Right. If you have a fear of human-like figures, that's called automatonophobia, which is something I kind of have... (laughs) because i'm personally freaked out by ventriloquist dummies
1: well you read goosebumps as a child that's why that is okay
0: my it was a light-up book it lit up in the middle of the night it had red eyes it was scary but yes that's why
1: what was that night of living dummy three um it had light i up know. eyes
0: yeah it was a, a special edition like you'd open it and it goes Wah! and like the eyes light up and it screams very but fancy it was while i was sleeping sean so who opened the book so something looking like a person and talking like a person. That
1: felt like a very specific ante- uh, anecdote.
0: Well, it's true, though. That's why I'm scared of, of uh, ventriloquist Um While not being alive, that's the upsetting part. So this is part of the reason why these stories that I'm about to tell you give me a little extra shivers. So let's begin. Can't wait. First, we'll discuss possibly the most famous haunted doll of all time.
1: Give her an A. Give her an N. Annabelle. Give her an N. Give her an A. Yep. Give her a B. Okay. Give her an E. Give her an L. I guess I have to, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I only had a couple (laughs) more letters.
0: I know. Uh, Yes, Annabelle. Thank you. Uh, She actually has a weirdly special place in our heart because our second date was to see the movie Annabelle Creation in theaters because it was either that or The Dark Tower. And you couldn't even bring yourself to watch that for maybe getting a little action.
1: No, absolutely. No, never. It, it would have, um, <laughs> I've, I would have had no interest in going up the shirt after seeing Stephen King's work butchered like that.
0: <laughs> yes. But, it, you know, it's all for the best because our His first- His masterpiece <laughs> even. <laughs> yes. Our first kiss was that night. So maybe haunted dolls just get you feeling super romantic. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Annabelle is yet another story related to our home state weirdo heroes, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And eventually we'll get through all of these peripheral stories before we get to cover the people themselves. And I know we've been promising that for a while, but trust me, it'll be a, a whole deep dive. You
1: got to buckle up for Ed and Lorraine. Just save the, <laughs> save the white lady, save Amityville. I
0: feel like we'll we'll have to do it like in two perspectives, yours and mine, and kind of combine them. I think that's what we're going to have to do well, You know they're liars Currently, Annabelle is housed at the Warrens Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut And since the Warrens have passed on The museum is now cared for by Tony Spera, their son-in-law Though so you can't gain entry anymore Tony
1: Sparrow sounds like a birthday party magician
0: <laughs> Sparra.
1: I stand corrected He sounds like
0: An Italian? <laughs> he
1: sounds like a bar mitzvah magician
0: <laughs> Oh god You can't gain entry to this museum anymore. It wasn't like a
1: Jewish joke. He doesn't sound Jewish. He sounds Italian.
0: The items are all still there, apparently, including Annabelle. So the story behind her, according to the Warrens, a nursing student gave them the doll in 1970. This is vaguely depicted in the opening scene of the film The Conjuring. This nursing student lived with another Hartford, Connecticut nurse and was gifted the doll by her mother earlier that year. So that's a weird gift to give someone who is a grown woman that has moved out of the house. Oh, a Raggedy Ann doll? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe she liked dolls. I don't know.
1: What year was this? People were weird in the 60s and 70s. 1970. Yeah. Yeah, people were weird. I don't know. <laughs> Raggedy Ann was like a cultural icon.
0: I guess. Soon after receiving this gift, weird occurrences began to happen around the apartment.
1: Yeah, like people started giving her dolls as <laughs> gifts.
0: She would leave the doll sitting with legs uncrossed, go out, and come back home to find her legs crossed.
1: That's a little too subtle to be (laughs) eerie if we're being Mm. honest.
0: Look how cute I am. (laughs) (laughs) The the girls discovered pieces of parchment paper with the words, Help me. Scribbled on it around the apartment, although no one they knew used parchment. yeah
1: because they weren't in Victorian, yeah, age. but they don't know how
0: they got who who got the the parchment. One morning, while the nurses were eating breakfast, Annabelle's arms raised to the table so went, mm. And after this, one of them called a medium who held a seance in the apartment cause that'll help. And the medium reported sensing a spirit inside of the doll of a six or seven year old girl named Annabelle who was killed outside the apartment complex. Now, various, various stories that I found say that her body was found in the field where the complex once stood, or she was killed outside of the complex in a car accident, but dead child.
1: Okay. Is there any, like, historical record backup for the dead kid?
0: I didn't find it particularly. Yeah. Um, after this revelation, the girls started treating the doll like a person. So one night, the fiance...
1: This isn't going to make it worse at all. (laughs) No.
0: One night, the fiance of one of the nurses was sleeping on the couch with Annabelle apparently seated at the opposite end, and he woke up in a fright, reporting, I just had the craziest nightmare. I had a dream that the doll was crawling up my leg and got to my neck and was trying to strangle me to death. He grabbed Annabelle and threw her across the room, and she landed on the apartment floor, and then he shouted that she's nothing more than a Raggedy Ann doll. She can't hurt anybody.
1: All right, who are you trying to convince, pal?
0: <sighs> Tony Sparra says that as soon as the fiancé launched the doll, he provoked the demonic presence attached to it, causing seven psychic wounds to appear on his body, four slash marks on his chest and three on his stomach. The wounds appeared like claw marks on his flesh. This physical attack indicated to the girls that the spirit tied to the doll was far more sinister than any little six-year-old. So they turned to an Episcopal priest for assistance who directed them to the Warrens. After speaking to the witnesses, the Warrens came to the conclusion that the doll was not possessed by a spirit, but rather a demon, reasoning that spirits did not possess inanimate objects, only people.
1: I thought you said the Warrens were in big with the Catholic Church.
0: They're all about priests.
1: What self-respecting Episcopal was <laughs> sending... sending uh...
0: This guy. Uh, so this inhuman spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll, but rather wanted to move on to a human host. The Warrens felt it appropriate that an exorcism blessing by the Episcopal priest would be done to cleanse the apartment, filling the home with, as Ed stated, the power of the positive and of God. Yeah. <laughs> At the girls' request, the Warrens took Annabelle the doll with them when they left, promising not to take the interstate in case the evil entity still possessed the doll. Apparently she caused accidents and things like that.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, and then they had a nice little trophy.
0: During the car ride home, the car swerved and stalled at every turn, with the power stealing and brakes failing. Multiple times, the car came close to crashing into another car until Ed reached into his bag in the back seat and produced a vial of holy water. He made the sign of the cross over the doll with the holy water, and the Warrens were able to arrive safely at home.
1: God, you know what the most amazing thing about the Warrens is? Is that all of the truly... Like the craziest stuff they witness when it's just the two of them. So that must be really scary for them.
0: It must be, Sean.
1: Like, remember with the uh, poltergeist, the Lindley, Lindley Street poltergeist, mm-hmm. that manifestation of the, the uh, creature with the horns, the black creature with the horns in the basement. Scary stuff. You know, only Ed and Lorraine got to see that. So it's um, it must be quite a burden.
0: Yeah. Originally, after they brought the doll into their home, it was stationed in a chair where it would levitate and fall repeatedly. Then the Warrens began to find it in different rooms of the house where they hadn't left it. If they left the doll locked in the outer office building, they would return to the house to find it sitting upstairs in Ed's easy chair. (laughs) Kickbag, relax, brewski.
1: Well, that's my question. Was it drinking his beer? Always.
0: Yeah. Big, big bush girl. This
1: is just a story Ed (laughs) invented to to hide his drinking from from Lorraine.
0: (laughs) It also apparently showed hatred toward any clergy that entered the house. A father, Jason Bradford, showed respect toward, disrespect toward the doll, and upon arriving home a few hours later, called the rain to say that his brakes had failed as he had entered a busy intersection and his car was totaled. So his accident was near fatal. The Warrens at this point had Annabelle's um, case number. made. and They it, had her number. <laughs> they, they knew what was up. They had a case made of um, glass and wood inspired with both the Lord inscribed with both the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. Well, and sure, if you're gonna
1: charge money to see the thing, you've got to uh, gotta pretty it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, with a sign on the front that said, Positively do not open. Boo. Exactly. This is scary. <laughs> Ed would periodically say binding prayer over the case, but that didn't always contain Annabelle's wrath, and this is documented in newspapers of the time. A young man visiting the occult museum defiantly went up to Annabelle's case and challenged the doll to give him scratches like she'd given the others. The man and his girlfriend were laughing on his motorcycle on the way home when the man lost control and drove into a tree, dying instantly. The girlfriend survived, but was hospitalized for over the year. When asked what happened, she said that they had been mocking the doll when her boyfriend suddenly lost control of the bike and crashed. So, just to be clear, no scratches then? Um, I mean, I'm sure there were scratches involved. There were also worse wounds involved. Yeah. Speaking of mocking the doll, we luckily have three different ghost adventures episodes in which our boys taunt the very haunted dolls we're discussing today.
1: (laughs) Of course we do. Mm -hmm. So did they, uh, of course, they've spent some time with Annabelle then.
0: Yep. In the first one.
1: uh, How many motorcycles did they crash?
0: (laughs) Well, in Zach Bagans' life or just in this episode.
1: I I don't mean before you start. I'm not not asking you to explain before the show started.
0: um that's tbd so zach and crew are filming their halloween special in zach's new haunted museum full of all different allegedly haunted and cursed items like the warren's own museum tony spera brought annabelle to the museum for this occasion saying he wants to show as many people as possible in the ghost adventure audience that evil still exists zach develops an interesting bond with annabelle
1: well he's sensitive don't you
0: know yeah.
1: Anyway, I'll give you anything you want. Can I please just just hold her once? You are yeah. coming right yeah. into the hands as a demon. She wants me to day. grab her. She wants me to her. It's trying to tempt
0: you, but you're stronger than yeah, that. Yeah,
1: but there was a moment there where I was sitting next to it, and it was just like I was connected to her. Of course. And that whole moment, I felt nothing but goodness and just happiness and sadness. There was no evil.
0: You're not alone, Zach. It is inside of you. So, as you heard, Zach was repeatedly warned not to touch Annabelle. Yes. So what do you think he's going to do? Well,
1: don't open under any circumstances. I think is on
0: the box. He touches the doll. Yeah. He does it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Don't touch the doll. Give okay. not Touch. the doll. Okay. Yeah. Because if you touch the doll, Zach, you're going to be in spiritual danger. When I said that doll,
0: put it on somebody's tip. Uh, so he touches her. And he ends up on the floor, and Tony Sparrow removes Annabelle from the room, because he's pissed that Zach touched her. Right,
1: because it says on the box not to do it.
0: Well, she's sitting on a, on a chair at this point, but he's like, just don't touch her. He uses, like, oven mets to put her down and stuff like that. Hey, do you think...
1: Do you think these guys have planning meetings before each episode and go like, okay, this week, Aaron, you're going to be the guy who gets possessed by the ghost and scares the rest of us and goes, I don't know what's happening, but I feel this. Uh And this week, Zach, you're going to be the guy. Zach's always the guy. Oh, I feel sick and mad and I just want to touch her. He's always possessed by stuff. He always gets so angry.
0: Funnily enough, some paranormal world drama began between Tony Spera and Zach Bagans after the episodes aired, with Tony publicly accusing Zach of fakery and Zach posting on Facebook that, among other annoyances, Tony also demanded first-class air tickets only for he and Annabelle. I'm sure Annabelle would have been extra demonic if she had to fly coach. He demanded a first-class air ticket for a demon, LMAO. So that's petty and fun.
1: That is, and also you paid first class fare for a demon. Who's the who's
0: who's getting played here, Zach? Exactly. Zach reflected on the mystery science theater style show he hosts with his crew, (laughs) uh, Ghost Adventures' Screaming Room. Right. That he still thinks the entity possessing Annabelle left the doll's body and is now roaming free in his haunted museum. Increasing activity in the museum since then twofold.
1: Yeah, that that Ghost Adventures screaming room show is just
0: uh, them watching old episodes, talking about them.
1: The pandemic has borne some cursed fruit. That's <laughs> all I'll say.
0: One last funny story related to Annabelle comes from my own recent memory, and of course, Snopes. <laughs> Back in August of last year, a rumor started to spread on social media that Annabelle had supposedly escaped from the occult museum in Monroe. <laughs> Many of those who believed and spread the story commented that it made sense considering what a shit show the year 2020 had already been. <laughs> like, of course, the demon doll escaped. Right. Um, Tony Sparrow posted a video with Annabelle snug in her case to call the fears of the general public saying Annabelle did not escape. Annabelle's <laughs> alive. Well, I shouldn't say alive. Annabelle's here in all her infamous glory. She never left the museum.
1: That was his exact words, the, the whole... Yes. She, alive, well, not alive. Very cute, Tony.
0: So Snopes traced it back to a mistranslation of an interview with Annabelle actress, also named Annabelle Wallace, ah. on a Chinese language social media site where, where she's... She explained
1: that she had escaped from the Warren's <laughs> Museum.
0: <laughs> she, she, um, she said something about running, like going for a run or something, and that was mistranslated as escaped. And then it was mistranslated that it was the doll Annabelle, not the actress Annabelle. (laughs) So that's where people were getting their info. Um, So in the end, it Well, when I go
1: for a run, I feel like I need to escape.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? I wouldn't. I can't relate. Oh, my God. It makes a lot of sense that this uh, funny little story captivated the public. And after three Annabelle movies, clearly it still does. As Lorraine Warren told USA Today... There are
1: three of them? Which one did we see? The second? I think it was the second one. Yeah, it was the prequel
0: one, one, but it was the second one.
1: And you're not talking about the nun. That's a whole separate thing? It's a separate thing. Boy, oh boy.
0: As Lorraine Warren told USA Today, looks are deceiving. It's not what the doll looks like that makes it scary. It's what has been infused within the doll. Evil.
1: And usually a fat check for Ed and Lorraine. And with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Lots of things are a struggle right now. School, work, even something as simple as going to the grocery store, it could feel overwhelming. But one thing that shouldn't be overwhelming is accessing mental and emotional care. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is the leader in online counseling with over 4,000 licensed counselors on the site and over 500,000 people who have gotten counseling to date. The mission of BetterHelp is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. I've been using BetterHelp for the better part of this year, and honestly, I don't know how I would have gotten through 2020 without it. And, of course, Sean and Poe. When I need to talk to my counselor, I can just text her, and I can schedule chats, phone calls, or video calls for longer sessions. This means I have flexibility to set a session during the week, or during busy weeks, I can just shoot her a message here and there when I have time take control of your mental and emotional well-being. BetterHelp is a great place to start. For 10% off your first month's subscription of BetterHelp, go to our podcast link at www.betterhelp.com slash and see how good it can feel to push past the struggle and find hope in a new day. That's www.betterhelp.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y for 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Get professional counseling anytime, anywhere, because you deserve to be happy.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about demonic dolls, Mm -hmm. Um, petrifying playthings, scary... Stuffies. Scary stuffies. (laughs) And uh, uh, Carrie, we covered the, the, the heaviest hitter. In the first half of this podcast with Annabelle, what do we got next?
0: Well, she might be the most famous, but I encourage our listeners to first go look up a picture of Robert the doll before we get into this next story. Don't care for the name. Because it's important context. So just add to that. uh, This thing is creepy. It looks like it just crawled out of your basement to kill you in your sleep.
1: Yep, once again, this looks like a doll that was made by that lady who touched up the Jesus painting <laughs> in uh, Spain.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's creepy. It's definitely eerie looking.
1: It, the sailor suit doesn't help.
0: No, just makes it worse.
1: Uh, also, maybe the worst part is how pristine. The sailor suit is pristine. The doll itself looks like it's been
0: eaten by worms. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the sailor suit that's haunted.
1: Yeah, it could be. Also, the the... the book cover for the curse of robert not great
0: oh. this story begins with a boy robert eugene otto was born to a prominent family in key west florida good old key west from oh. our uh, count von kosell and his mummy bride episode yes strange place already we, a, we know that a great lover of
1: women count von kosell
0: woman he was born to this
1: ex-woman, fam-
0: still still a woman, technically, in the year 1900. When he was young, around 1904 to 1908, not quite sure, Otto was given a doll as a gift. Now, there are disputes as to the actual origin of the doll. The, the favorite story seems to be that the family's maid gave him this strange straw-filled doll, maybe for his birthday. But others say that Otto's grandfather purchased the doll in Germany for him, and it was manufactured by the Steuf company, I think it's Steuf, um, which also helped create the classic teddy bear that we know and love.
1: And it's full, full of straw, you say? Yep. What kind of fabric is its face made of? Because it's, again... Just hell, just the devil. Full of weird acne <laughs> holes, like doll... Dalkney. Yeah,
0: it's almost like cork, I don't know. So these two origin stories are actually very interesting. Um, the first goes into detail that the Otto family mistreated the servants and maids that cared. I you going to
1: say mistreated the doll. Well.
0: well like, why? Well, hold on. Uh, the maids that cared for their large manor house, which is now known as the artist's house. And one maid was caught using voodoo and fired, but not before giving the doll to young Robert. And our, of course, she had already cursed the doll. Of course. Stop. Now, if you find the grandfather's story... Wait, cursed the doll in revenge for the firing that hadn't happened yet? I think she was fired. She's like, you know, get your things. And then she's like, well, take this doll. Let
1: me curse this doll real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know how you're constantly accepting presents on behalf of your children uh, from recently fired staff. I
0: mean, it could have gone either way, probably. She was using voodoo either way. If you find the grandfather's story more plausible, that's... um. Even weird as well, because it's thought that the doll was never actually intended to be a doll, like a playing doll, that if it was made by Stuff, it was manufactured to actually be part of a clown or jester window or shopping display. So that's
1: wor- somehow makes it worse yeah. and creepier.
0: Yeah. So no wonder the thing is so creepy looking. Yeah. No matter how he got it, though, Robert Eugene Otto became quickly obsessed with this doll. And I can't emphasize he was obsessed
1: the boy was
0: yes he took the doll everywhere with him which wasn't necessarily easy because it was 40 inches tall so it wasn't like (laughs) it was a a my size barbie yeah um i think
1: those were 42 inches
0: yeah i had one yeah It, it was my height so just imagine carrying that around uh it's bizarre and he gave the doll his first name robert and took the name Eugene or Jean instead. And I've heard over time that he did this because Robert was, quote, the doll's name. So he had to go by his middle name. How old was Jean? Um, he was still in single digits when he got the doll.
1: Okay. Either so-
0: 1904 to 1908. Um, and he was born in 1900.
1: So this is just run-of-the-mill creepy kid to me.
0: Sure. But the Otto family and their servants would often hear Gene in his bedroom having a conversation in a, having a conversation with a completely different voice.
1: Yeah, I hear you do that all the time when you're talking to the dog in the other room.
0: No, it was like a different voice would respond to him. Yeah? I never, I never say, well, mommy, I would like some snacks. It's more like, I want you to listen. Did you want a snack? And then silence. And then I get him a snack. Anyway, loud, violent commotions would be heard coming from Gene's bedroom on an almost nightly basis, with furniture being overturned and toys ripped apart. When a parent would come to see what was going on, Gene would be cowering, huddled on his bed in fear. He only ever had one response as to what had happened. Robert did it. The autos didn't quite believe a doll could have done all this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But sometimes they would hear an eerie disembodied giggling around the house, and some passersby outside of the house claimed to see a small doll moving from window to window. If household items turned up missing, Gene blamed Robert. Something found broken. It was Robert. Due to the escalating issues with Gene and his attachment to Robert, the doll was eventually moved to the attic where it remained for several years.
1: It's like how we can't trust Poe with a ball.
0: Mm hmm. Just like that. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Sure.
1: Now <laughs> he won't drop Robert the doll behind the couch anymore and bark until I have to goddamn get up and go get it.
0: Yep, that's what we're talking about. The Autos apparently said they heard Robert moving around the attic area frequently and giggling in the middle of the night when there was no one else up there. Sure. So that's great. Jean moved away from Key West to study at the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago and traveled overseas to study and paint in Paris. It was there he met his wife, Annette Parker. Annette was a brilliant pianist that had once even given a command performance for the King of England. So she was a fancy lady. Wow. They married in May of 1930, and after Annette finished her studies abroad, they moved back stateside, living in New York for a few years. But then when Jean's mother became ill... He brought Annette back to Key West to live and take care of her. Now, both of Gene's parents eventually passed on, and Gene inherited the house. And at this point, he rediscovered Robert squirreled away in the attic. With Robert re-entering the picture, Gene's seemingly normal life of art and family turned upside down. What? Annette hated Robert.
1: Yeah, of course (laughs) she did. He's horrible. Guys, listeners go online and yeah, google He looks like robert a potato
0: as a doll like it's creepy
1: he's horrible he's, uh, uh, it looks
0: like a but wait let's let's not disparage robert too much for reasons i'll go into a potato and a chimpanzee <laughs> had a love affair let's not disparage him too much for reasons i'll go into he's also holding a creepy dog go ahead she found the doll creepy and tried to banish it back to the attic. But Robert didn't take kindly to this because Jean said he requested the turret room of the house so he could have a room with a view of the street.
1: Her adult husband told, told her this?
0: Yes. <laughs> Schoolchildren and almost anyone walking past the property would say that they often saw the doll disappear from sight before appearing again before their eyes.
1: Oh, so she went along with this.
0: I don't think she had a choice. Many people avoided the house entirely so they could avoid seeing Robert. Gene ended up spending and, most and
1: of... when they see the the doll appearing and disappearing in the window, there is a grown man behind that window holding it up and going...
0: Well, they didn't see the, the grown man.
1: No, I know, but he's behind the windowsill.
0: Allegedly.
1: In his short pants.
0: Gene ended up spending most of his time in the turret room with Robert. <laughs> painting and talking to the doll. Until his death in 1974, with, of course, Robert by his side, Anne later said, "In the months preceding his death, and as his health failed, he spent most of his time talking to Robert." After Jean's death, Anne immediately moved out of the house, and it was soon purchased by a Myrtle Reuter, not uh, related to our friend Tara, I don't think.
1: Is she related to our friend Rodo? <laughs>
0: Myrtle rebranded it as the artist's house and uh, basically just gave a nod to Jean's talents and local popularity.
1: She didn't like the ring of the creepy doll guy's house?
0: Well, she might not have realized that the house came with Robert, too, because Anne wanted nothing to do with it and left him in the attic when uh, she sold the house. Robert apparently was still up to his old tricks, even after Jean's death, because people would hear little footsteps coming from the attic room above. (laughs) Oh, no. A plumber reported hearing giggling and turned to find the doll had moved across the room on its own. A Solaris Hill journalist named Malcolm Ross visited the house and said, quote, It was like a metal bar running down my back. At first, when we walked through the door, the look on his face was like a little boy being punished. It was as if he was asking himself, Who are these people in my room, and what are they going to do to me? Later, Ross noticed a change in the doll's
1: expression. This guy has an erotic fascination with this doll.
0: (laughs) What are you going to do to me, Daddy? (laughs) He said the doll's expression changed to disdain. After this... What aren't you going (laughs) to do to me, Daddy? After this, he knew, quote, there was some kind of intelligence there. The doll was listening to us. By the way, Robert isn't the only thing lurking around the artist's house either. Annette Parker Otto's spirit apparently haunts the home to this day, which is now a guest house that you can stay in in Old Town Key West. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Annette is thought to be the resident spirit of, surprisingly, the turret room. Perhaps her hatred of Robert, and constant attempts to get between him and Jean and kick him out of the house, cursed her to spend eternity stuck in his domain.
1: Yeah, perhaps. So, are you telling me these key between this and uh, Count von Cosell, You're just trying to get me to book a Key West vacation. Oh, for is sure. That it?
0: And the Ernest Hemingway House is extremely haunted by Ernest Hemingway. It's a crazy place. <laughs> so, um, Myrtle Ruder brought Robert along when she moved out six years later. So she liked him, I guess. And in 1994, donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum, claiming he, quote, moved around the house on his own and was haunted. (laughs) Myrtle died just a few months later, but Robert's activity at the museum continued. Staff at the museum noticed once Robert was put on display that cameras and electronic devices would malfunction in his presence. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Robert doesn't appreciate when tourists take pictures of him without his permission. And people who disregard this rule or disrespect Robert soon experience misfortune, which is why I think we should say he's very handsome and cute. Oh, my gosh. He is.
1: That must be why there's not hundreds of thousands of pictures of him on on a (laughs) Google image search.
0: And much like Annabelle, this misfortune um, occurs in the form of traffic accidents a lot of the time. Not long after he became an exhibit, letters began arriving from previous visitors apologizing to the doll for their disrespectful behavior and begging forgiveness. You can even find news clippings about the people's reported experiences, like one titled Woman Blames Fight on Robert the Doll in the Key West Citizen.
1: <laughs> hey, people have been blaming things on Robert the Doll for Robert the Doll's whole life.
0: <laughs> These letters are posted all around Robert's exhibit, which and it takes up the whole back wall of the exhibit room behind the, bl- the glass box he's contained in. Which, apparently, he can exit by himself when the museum is closed for the night. What? Some people even leave offerings for Robert, asking for forgiveness, or maybe to even get a jump on a possible curse. These offerings have included mints, sweets, money, and occasionally, marijuana joints. He's a child. It's completely inappropriate, says Corey Convertido, <laughs> the museum curator. We are still a museum.
1: Corey's a fucking bummer, dude.
0: <laughs> and by the way, his, uh, his creepy outfit is one of Jean's uh, childhood sailor suits. Oh, So worse. it makes it worse, yeah. <laughs> there are many ghostly stories about Robert since his time began at the museum. A few years ago, David L. Sloan says... A woman on a trolley tour to the museum had had a few drinks and was being disrespectful towards Robert. The doll proceeded to throw his lion stuffy at the wall of the case toward the woman, and the whole tour group apparently saw it.
1: That's supposed to be a lion? I guess. It looks like a deranged corgi.
0: Well, some claim Robert's gaze follows them around the room when they visit his exhibit, with him either moving just his eyes or even his whole head. Oh,
1: bull ploppy. His eyes are black circles.
0: Bonnie Randolph, in an interview with Zach Bagans, told of being party to another tourist mocking Robert and taking a picture of the doll without asking. In the week following the disrespectful incident, Bonnie was involved in two different car accidents and broke her neck falling down a set of stairs.
1: Bonnie sounds clumsy. I've seen it. Look how casual he is. Yeah, he's chilling. Putting his feet up.
0: (laughs) As David L. Sloan said, there's no denying the experience these people are having. So Robert's having an effect on them. Whether it's a psychological effect or a ghostly effect, I'm not the one to say. I know the encounters I've had, and I have no doubt in my mind that he's real. Robert himself inspired the Child's Play movie franchise, which is possibly his longest lasting legacy.
1: And that in turn inspired Night of the Living Dummy, which in turn inspired Caroline to be afraid of
0: dolls. And there we... the end. We're done. (laughs) Robert also um, more directly inspired another horror film series, which started with the film Robert in 2015 and continued with one film a year through 2019, The Curse of Robert the Doll, The Toymaker, Revenge of Robert the Doll, and Robert
1: Reborn. Sorry, the first film was called Robert and the sequel was called The Curse of Robert the Doll? Yeah. I don't know, guys. Regressive titling.
0: (laughs) The trailers look uh, pretty ridiculous, and I hope we can watch the movies for a Patreon watch-along, because they look absurd. That
1: would be fun. We still gotta get to these Hellraiser joints, but yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, visually, I actually find the real Robert the Doll creepier than the scary mu- movie version. It would be hard to improve upon this design, yeah. truly. But even the Raggedy Ann version of Annabelle is creepier than the Conjuring version, which is like very purposefully creepy.
1: Yeah, but Raggedy Ann is copyrighted. I, I, right. do- I Well, doubt-
0: that, that's why they had to do that, yeah.
1: I doubt this horrible thing.
0: No the uh the blankness of robert's expression allows us to project all sorts of things onto it and it's this expression or lack thereof um that's the greatest reminder that this is not something living or human
1: i wonder if gene was projecting anything onto it
0: <laughs> you think projecting much robert's even become no, i
1: mean like his own urine and feces he Ew. Ew. was just a maniac
0: Ugh. Robert's even become a bit of a social media influencer with verified YouTubers like Jesse V <laughs> making videos like, I hope you never meet Robert the doll. So,
1: What kind of endorsements again?
0: Uh, Audible. <laughs> Listen with audibletrial.com slash ain't it scary? Audible. I don't have ears.
1: <laughs> he yeah. just does unboxing of children's skulls and stuff. Yes.
0: He uh, also starred in the first episode of the Ghost Adventures spinoff show, Deadly Possessions, which I think has a double meaning, Sean. So, Oh! Because like a thing you own. Mm-hmm. On this show, Zach has Corey, the museum curator, visit his haunted museum with Robert in tow. So Deadly Possessions is a weird show. <laughs> in this segment... An old man named Theodore, wearing a full formal suit and top hat, pops in, <laughs> giving the impression he's some sort of elderly butler of the museum. <laughs> he then introduces himself to Corey and. Why don't, you, why don't you guys take a listen? It's. Um, not Can I help you,
1: Theodore? It's for you, sir. Okay. Uh, Hello. Hello. I'm Theodore. Nice to meet you, Theodore. Hi. Hello. Ah! Theodore, don't... Um, what Theodore just did is very serious. Cut <laughs> 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 it there! Me, Cut me, it, me, it off there! <laughs> 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 to explain what Theodore just did is very serious.
0: I remember watching this with my dad um, when it first aired, and we were both like, what? What is Theodore's deal? I don't know. He goes to shake the the doll's hand, and then he screams and runs away. <laughs> As you do, uh,
1: since you, those of you who didn't get to see that um, Theodore, and by the way, his name is not Theodore, it's Theodore. It's sure. Seems emphasis on that last syllable uh theodore comes in and shakes the caretaker's hand then goes to shake the doll's hand
0: as you do sean you don't want to be rude
1: and is so alarmed by the sight of robert that he makes well this sound (sighs) and then he sprints from the room Zach, (laughs) zach then turns and says apologetically what he just did is very serious
0: no what theodore just did was
1: very <laughs> what, serious. what theodore just did is very serious mm-hmm. that's so, amazing
0: so robert definitely influences some high strangeness for sure um
1: i think the whole <laughs> that show existing is the real the true high strangeness that's wild
0: yeah you get high and then you watch some strangeness you have to for now, Robert remains the hottest attraction at the Fort East Martello Museum, wearing his little sailor suit and waiting to curse you. So, go visit if you like, and disrespect him if you dare. <laughs> the last doll we'll visit is...
1: By the way, if you don't want to be disrespected, you know, maybe think about a wardrobe change there, Robert. <laughs> Facelift. The sailor suit isn't, uh, well, I'm not going to tear him apart for his, his skin condition.
0: Hmm. The last doll we'll visit is not just one doll. It is a whole island full.
1: Well, this is cheating.
0: <laughs> Come on. In. To wrap up, we're going to visit e- Island island de las Muñecas, or the Island of the Dolls. The Island of the Dolls is located in the channels of Xochimilco South.
1: What's the word for dolls? The channels
0: of Xochimilco uh, muñecas.
1: Muñecas.
0: The channels of Xochimilco south of the center of Mexico City Visitors to the island can find various dolls of different styles and colors all over the island Especially hanging throughout the trees Like by the neck? like By straps and ropes and things like that Like Barbie dolls from the back of a truck? All different kinds All different kinds These dolls were originally placed by the former owner of the island, Don Julian Santana Barrera. Apparently in the 1950s, Barrera found a young girl drowned in mysterious circumstances and was too late to save her life.
1: Natalie Wood?
0: (laughs) (laughs) A while later, Barrera saw a floating doll near the canals and reasoned that this likely belonged to the deceased girl. He picked the doll up and hung it from a tree as a way of showing respect and support to the spirit of the girl. The girl's spirit haunted him, and he kept hanging more and more dolls from the trees in an attempt to appease her spirit. But then he realized too late that the dolls were becoming possessed by the spirits of other dead girls. What? Yeah. Fifty years after this, Baretta was found dead, having drowned in the same spot the little girl he couldn't save had. Some, including Baretta's estranged family.
1: Estranged?
0: Mm-hmm questioned whether he, the drowned girl ever existed in the first place but one thing was certainly true but devoted the rest of his life to her memory real or not
1: oh it's like uh the tonka truck uh tree just like that very so well because the tonka truck uh drowned down in wilton <laughs> connecticut and so there's a uh somebody put tonka trucks all over a tree in its honor
0: sure Nowadays, the island, which is more like a floating garden covered in water lilies, has become a tourist destination for those appreciating natural beauty and, well, hauntings. (laughs) It's the largest doll collection in the world, according to the Guinness Book of Records. And some visitors to the island place offerings around Beretta's favorite doll, which he named Augustinita, in, in the hope that they will receive miracles and blessings.
1: Well, this is a much less creepy uh, uh, doll. I thought the Island of the Dolls would be the (laughs) creepiest story. it doesn't
0: look great. It's creepy. They're all like rotted dolls hanging from the trees. So that's creepy. And then the island is reported to be extremely haunted. So aside from the spirits of the drowned girl and Barrera himself, all the other spirits that possess the dolls are reportedly still there. There are tales of the dolls whispering at visitors, moving their heads, limbs, and eyes, and coming to life at night. Naturally, because these stories and the island's natural creepiness, the Ghost Adventures boys simply just had to visit.
1: Of course they
0: did. During the boys' first walkthrough, their tour guide tells them about some of the eerie things that reportedly have happened on the island.
1: This is the oldest doll. This is the very first, first doll. One? one? Yeah.
0: This one here...
1: This one here, this one here. What about them? They move. He has seen them. How much? A lot. They all move in a very particular way. It's not like they move just one arm or one eye. It's like the whole body, you know? There's one doll that makes this like crying sound. Like she had batteries. That's creepy. Wow, they move like the whole body, not just one eye or one arm. Mm-hmm. Almost like the air is moving them or something. You know? Like the, the air, air itself. air of possession. Like, wouldn't it be creepier if a doll just moved one eye?
0: Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Probably.
1: That would be your movie special effect would be one eye following.
0: Uh, later, the creepy factor increases just as the boys set up a camera in the, quote, possessed doll shed. Which is something I want in our future home.
1: Well, that's where you're gonna set up the camera to catch something creepy is the possessed doll shed.
0: Mm hmm. Ready? Ready? No, I'm not ready for the. Oh! Whoa!
1: Bro! Come here! Oh my god. Oh my god.
0: One of them's laughing. Oh my god. Oh my god, bro.
1: Holy f So I mean that was undeniably the sound of a child's laughter.
0: Yeah, one of the dolls started um, just over and over giggling at them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a big nope from me. I mean I don't care if you <laughs> I don't care if you believe in like hauntings or possessions or whatever, but creepy dolls laughing in the middle of the night in the dark in the woods is a no.
1: Sure, I would prefer it
0: not happen to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. It'd be creepy if I was there. Um, Still, though, you totally want to go to the Island of the Dolls, right?
0: Sure. And if any of our listeners would like to visit the Isla de las Muñecas and the Possessed Doll Shed, you can book your own uh, boat tour and take a nice little trip there.
1: Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in. Where is this again? This is Mexico? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So that's it for right now on Haunted Dolls, but I'm uh, sure that if any any news relating to Haunted Dolls comes up, I'll be the first to tell you guys. So, uh, yeah, what do you think, Sean?
1: I think I'm booking a trip to Key West so we can go visit Robert. Hell yeah. He's my boy.
0: Mm-hmm. But don't insult him, please. Well,
1: oh, Carrie, he looks like a chimp stuffed with hay. Don't tell him that. With acne.
0: Want to treat your pup to something special? When you visit www.barkbox.com slash ain'titscary, you can receive a free month added to your plan when you sign up for a six or 12 month subscription. That's an extra month of two fun toys, two full-size bags of treats, and a tasty chew at no additional cost. Recent box themes have included Home Alone, Liquor Treat, and a Night at the Squeak Easy. Poe loves trying out new toys and treats, and he was psyched to get a BarkBox. Your pup will be too. So sign up at www.barkbox.com slash scary for a free month added to any 6 or 12 month subscription. That's BarkBox.com slash A-I-N-T-I-T-S-C-A-R-Y. Give your furry friends something to bark about.
1: BarkBox. Carrie purchased. Poe approved.
0: Making the rounds in the news this past week is the possibility that science has finally solved the mystery of the Dyatlov Pass incident.
1: The the, sorry?
0: The Dyatlov Pass incident.
1: Oh, okay. Of course. Never mind. (laughs) I've heard all I need to.
0: In short, this is a 1959 event where nine people headed into snowy Russian wilderness to hike and were never heard from again. And their bodies were found weeks later in bizarre shape, some in a baffling state of undress. Some of their skulls and chests had been smashed open, others had eyes missing, and one lacked a tongue.
1: Well, you would think animals ate them, right?
0: Well, it's been a mystery ever since what exactly happened to the Dialov Pass hikers. Some of these things might have been animals after the fact, but it doesn't seem like anyone died from an animal attack.
1: Yeah, they probably died from hypothermia. That's why they took their clothes off.
0: Do You... Stop. (laughs) Some theories have included aliens, Yeti, military tests, weather anomalies, murder, and more. Murder by what? Just murder, Sean. Murder
1: by nudity.
0: (laughs) Russian authorities stated in 2019 they believed the deaths were all due to an avalanche. Some scientists felt that this didn't explain all of the strangeness around the incident and kept on searching for an answer. Johann Gaum head of the Snow Avalanche Simulation Laboratory at EPFL in Switzerland. Cool gig. <laughs> a very specific gig. Told National Geographic that he was inspired by how well the movement of snow was depicted in the 2013 Disney movie Frozen. <laughs> okay. And he asked its animators how they pulled this off. He then modified the film's snow animation code for his own avalanche simulation models with the intention of simulating the impacts that avalanches would have on the human body. So a little darker than Elsa saying, let it go. Uh, He's trying to rough up some corpses. (laughs) He came to the conclusion that slabs of fast-moving snow could have absolutely caused the blunt force trauma injuries experienced by the hikers. Now, what happened after the avalanche is speculation, but the current thinking is that hurt but still alive, the team cut themselves out of the tent and ran toward the tree line a mile or so down slope. It's likely that the more uh, able-bodied survivors dragged the injured out of the smothered shelter Mm. in an attempt to rescue them. But most of the group died of hypothermia, and others may have succumbed to their injuries. So they probably didn't die from the first impact of the avalanche. Um, but they died soon after. Gaum thinks the explanation his team presented is far too straightforward for public tastes, however. (laughs) Yeah. People don't want it to be an avalanche. It's too normal. Conspiracy theories surrounding the Diatlov Pass incident will likely stick around well into the future.
1: Of course, because there's no one, anything where there's no survivors, right? There's no one to go like, I saw this happen. Um, so there's always going to be that, um... Yeah, but that uh, the, that's not such a crazy thing. <laughs> like, you know, a, a small number of people walk into dangerous wilderness and then they die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't always need something crazy to explain that. I
0: think if this was um, an avalanche of this size, it would have been a freak event that hasn't occurred since uh, in this area. From sure, because all the snow
1: already fell <sighs> that time.
0: Now you can get continuous avalanches, especially in global warming times, Sean. Um so this would have been a very rare event either way. But uh yeah.
1: Interesting. Mhm. You know what else is rare?
0: Aliens. Silence. <laughs> 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 That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary? And check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain'titscary. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be forever grateful.
1: show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan, including that brand new bizarre, bizarre sting you heard in this episode. Uh, you can find Kyle over on his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. He does lots of cool music-related stuff over there.
0: This has been a production of Longboy Media. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seaton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence